Luke Mankus is a realtor. He loves what he does. We asked Luke if he had any regrets about moving here in 2011, and he always says, yeah, one regret, and that is he didn't move here sooner. When Luke came here, he didn't know anyone. He didn't know the neighborhoods or anything or anyone besides his daughter, who was six years old at the time. So he knows what it's like. Now he's an expert and has helped well over 100 single people, couples, families, and investors with their real estate needs in the Okanagan. If you're new to our beautiful city, Luke can help you get connected with great lawyers, dentists, carpenters, landscapers, swimming pool installers, you name it. And whether you're new to Kelowna or not, Luke knows real estate. He can help you find a great property, negotiate a good deal, and hold your hand all the way through the process until the day you get your shiny new set of keys. Luke is known as a no-pressure kind of guy. He's had clients where it took even a year or more to get them into a property. He just doesn't believe in rushing things. On the other hand, when you decide it's time to act, he's diligent, and he'll work day and night until the job is done. Give Luke Make Us a call or a text message at any time, 778-215-4273. Again, that's 778-215-4273, 778-215-4273, to chat with Luke about real estate. So, Danielle, you've been... Uh in Kelowna for about five years. Yeah. But I understand you had a dream to come here since a lot longer than that. Yeah. So tell us how you got here five years ago. Well, it all, we've always had family in Kelowna, so would come to visit. Mom was a teacher, so anytime we were off school, she was off school. Hmm. And we would come to Kelowna when Flintstone Land was still around. So What's Flintstone? I didn't even know what it that was, is. I think it was out kind of like Reed's Corner way. I don't even remember. But it was like a little kind of amusement park, per se. So it was all based on the Flintstones, though, which right. anyone probably under the age of 25 now would have no idea. Um, but we, I loved going there, and we used to go to, um, what do they call it, the Grand Prix, I think it was, the old uh, cars, like the race cars out right. in that area, too. That's no longer there, but... Kelowna was always, it always kind of felt like home. It was always familiar. And as soon as I kind of realized that I could live somewhere other than the town I was born and raised in, right. I was like, oh, well, Kelowna's going to be that town. So you would come here for summer vacations pretty consistently. Yeah, and, and where long you, weekends. And, and long weekends. Yeah. And where were you living? In Golden. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. what's that, about three hours? Uh, three hours? Four and a half-ish. Summer I'm, can be longer because of traffic, and winter can be longer because of snow. Yeah, and, you got to be careful. Yeah. I think I just confessed to speeding. But um, so you grew up in Golden. Yeah. What's that like? I mean, I've stopped there for gas, but I Yeah, that's I don't what know most people are like, we've driven through Golden. <laughs> uh, it was gorgeous. I loved growing up there. Uh, the mountains, uh, we were a really outdoorsy family. Uh, we used to snowmobile right from our house, and amazing. Ski Hill was right across the valley, and so it was just beautiful small town everybody knew each other mm -hmm. um a lot of like comfort and familiarity and whatnot so it mm -hmm. was a great great place same friends from kind of like kindergarten through high school and whatnot which i really liked right yeah so why did you come to Kelowna five years ago i know you've always loved it yeah. but what did you finally decide to move here um numerous things i had different changes in life I thought it like after high school after culinary school after all these different events 
I kind of thought, okay, I'll move then, I'll move then, and it never really worked out. So mm -hmm. five year or well, five years ago, it was just the right timing. I was ready for a new start and kind of get my life going in another way, and so it all just kind of lined up, and Kelowna was the right right time, right place. Right. Yeah. Did you start with the job? Did you find no. the job? So you came here and started looking yeah. for work? Or? Yeah. Um, I, had, I was out here the summer before I moved. I um, yeah. was helping some friends on an orchard, um, just cooked for a retreat. So then when I was out here, it was in Lake Country, and I just started looking for a home. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, if I can find something, I'll put an offer and I'll move. Right. So just kind of didn't know the city really. Like we had always been in the south. My aunt was always in the mission. Mm -hmm. And my brother had recommended Glenmore. He's like, Glenmore is a great area. And I was like, okay. So talked to my real estate agent. And I was like, okay, I want a house in Glenmore. And didn't even know where it was in the city. And right. started looking and moved there. And Are you still in the same place? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So you obviously made a good choice. And I love it. I actually really can't think of a better location so right I, my brother actually gave me some great advice <laughs> do you um do you cycle uh road bike a little bit a little used bit. to do more but would love to get back into it right yeah it's uh there's some good walking streets also i like yeah. to walk a lot yeah um i've lived most of my time in Kelowna, downtown oh, or yeah. mission so yeah. it's pretty flat yeah. but um still the neighborhoods are great yeah so. beautiful yeah so tell us what you're doing for work here. Ooh, I started a new career uh, just over a year and a half ago. So mm -hmm. was a chef by trade for over a decade mm -hmm. and loved it, but decided it's just time for change and to do something um, that for me was kind of more meaningful and had more of an impact. Mm -hmm. So started keeping my options open and looking for opportunities. And a good friend of mine um, actually ended up moving here uh, almost two years ago and we connected and uh, we've been working together, and I do a uh, really unique supplemental disability insurance. So okay. I get I work with uh, specifically like entrepreneurs, um, all of all of us that you know work on our own and whatnot. I specialize in making sure they're properly protected, accident, sickness, and all those good old unexpected things that happen, and just make yeah. sure there's income and everything to pay the bills. Right. So, so you have to get some training, and you have, you have yeah. a license, right? Yeah, so you insurance. have to get uh, provincially licensed. Mm -hmm. uh, the course, anyone that's done insurance, um, as well as probably numerous other industries, it's pretty dry to study. Yeah, um, so is real estate, so. I bet, yeah, yeah. But it was, yeah, it was it was good though and exciting to learn something new and just be challenging myself. I mean, it was the first year of my career was a big learning curve. Like mm -hmm. I say, it was almost more of a ladder than a curve. Right. And, uh, but made it through, just kept kind of pushing and just learning and giving myself grace was the biggest thing. Like not mm -hmm. being too hard on myself and understanding that business is tough and especially when you're new so sure just kind of going failing forward was a term i adopted because right. i was like okay well i'm gonna fail but i may as well fail forward rather than just quitting so right so yeah. you mean like if you would fail a module you would try to learn from it yeah and just like there's and there was one actually most of our class had one of the chapters we had failed in the um, qualifying exam so oh. we're all like all right so clearly we need to pick our socks up which one was that i'm curious oh, man, it was i don't even <laughs> it was chapter six that's all i remember <laughs> it was like math or legal uh, stuff or it was all on um like the licensing for the disability insurance so mm. accident sickness but i can't remember what it was specifically 
like referring to, but hmm. yeah, I think I got a good old like 38 or something percent on that qualifier, wow. and all the others were like high 80s and whatnot, so. <laughs> so that you took just, a little more work. You just study a little more, and you just, you get through it, and. Yeah. Yeah. But. Uh, so, you love traveling. Tell us about your last trip to Thailand. Yeah, Thailand was amazing. Um, just fell in love with it. The My sister and I went, and we had a good uh, six or seven weeks. And it was just a really cool experience. I think the timing in life, um, meeting a lot of the locals, we tried to somewhat stay away from the big touristy spots and mm-hmm. just kind of got off the beaten trail and tried to like meet some locals and whatnot. But... It was just, it was beautiful. The food was incredible. The scenery, like from northern to southern Thailand, was so different. Mm-hmm. And we did uh, eight days in Myanmar or Burma and got to volunteer at a safe house, which I think was part of what made that trip so significant and just really meaningful. So, yeah. So, those are adjoining little countries, right? Yeah, they're so Burma is kind of northwest, I guess, of. Of Thailand. Okay. Yeah. And what is a safe house? What do you mean? Uh, so the safe house we volunteered at was uh, these two women rescued children off the streets. The sex trade is really bad there. Right. So they basically what they do is they pay these families in um, kind of lieu of their children. So the mm. it's very different culture there, and they sell their children right. on the street. Right. So. These two ladies will do fundraisers and all sorts of things to compensate the family so that the kids don't have to be on the street. So, I see. And then there's some orphan children and whatnot too, but we got to spend some time with them, and it was just amazing. Like, yeah. just all the hardship they've been through. It's so humbling. And A lot how, of touching stories, I bet. Oh, and just they're, like, they're so grateful for the little things. Like, you coming back here, it was such a shift in how we thought of things and just the things that are so normal that we're like wow we've really taken that for granted and even toys and like they had like you know what you see in the movies like a top Mm -hmm. or something top yeah for yeah and that's kind of it or they'd have a ball like a soccer ball for all the kids and And they're so happy to to get it so the parents they would consent to their kids going on the street because they would get money. Yeah. Was it typically like um, a lump sum payment or would they get like every time the child worked, they would get money? So the parents, um, it would be like a daily thing. So they'd send so they'd their... And they'd then, send them out and then the kids bring home money. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And then the safe house, um, I believe it was more like kind of a monthly right. thing. So it was less than the kids would have made on the street. But it was enough to compensate the family. So they could survive. That, and, yeah. And, and the families were pretty grateful, I'm sure. I'm sure. Because some of them, it's just the culture is so different. Like, yeah. there, it's the children take care of the adults rather than adults taking care of children. So at a very young age, the children start to really take over the household and do a lot. And they're responsible. So that's why the parents, especially the young girls... They can make so much money with the girls on the street because of all the tourists and whatnot, and they just—that's how they make their money in a lot of cases. Would um, would you actually go to the street to find these uh, 
kids or you were helping at the house? We were at the actual crying. house. Yeah. Yeah. And did you ever have any confrontation from people saying, hey, that person works for me, like you're, you're hurting my business? Um, we didn't really have to deal with anything. See, we yeah. had to be really careful there because we were in an area that we shouldn't have been. Hmm. Um, so we had to, like, being a lot lighter skinned, we had to make sure we were covered, um, had scarves covering our face, long sleeves, pants, running shoes, so on and so forth. So we couldn't actually stay at the safe house. We had to stay in um, kind of more of the touristy spot in a hotel, and then we'd get picked up on the scooter every day yeah. and go over for the day, help out, and then have to go back to our hotel and lock the doors at night. <laughs> how did you uh, How did you find out about this? I mean, how did you get into that? Um, my sister wanted to do a missions trip while we were there. She's like, okay. if we're going to Asia, we have to do some missions work. And the whole reason behind the trip was... Uh, I'd just gone through some big things in life and I was like, no, this trip's for me. Like, right. I don't, I can't go help people. Like, I need help right now. So we just kind of had put it off the books and then it was about a month before we left and just had this like overwhelming feeling of we need to help. Right. So I called her up. I was like, okay, we need to do a mission trip. Like, we need to find something. And she's like, what's the change of heart? And I was like, we just need to. So <laughs> got in contact with this family. Um, Oh, they had been missionaries in Thailand for over a decade, I think it was at the time. Mm -hmm. And they had known these two ladies that run the safe house and had heard that, like, we were looking to do some work over there. And so we just got connected and mm -hmm. got connected with the safe house and set it up. And Wow. Yeah, it was an incredible experience. Amazing. I wonder um, if it was similar for you as it was for me. I, I never worked in a safe house, but uh, in 2012, I was in a really rough spot financially. And uh, the company I was working at um, said, we're all going to the gospel mission here in Kelowna, and we're going to serve uh, Christmas food. That's amazing. To everybody. Maybe it was Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, and my mindset at the start was, I, can't, I, I don't have time. I don't have money. Like, I've got to figure out how I'm going to feed myself and my kid. And, yeah. And so on. But by the time I was finished, I felt so much better about yeah. my own situation yeah. because uh, the gratitude that you see on the people's faces. Yeah. And of course, I got to eat at the end too, yeah. which was great. But I think, you know, a lot of times we're in a kind of crisis point and we think, well, I got to take care of myself. I got to take care of myself. As soon as you take care of someone else, it just totally lightens the burden yes. of what you're going through. Did yeah. you find the same? Yeah, it felt like we went with the intention of helping them, and we did. Yeah. But at the end of it, like I felt like I got more out of it yeah. than I ever expected, and even like the whole opportunity and experience. What, exactly what you're saying. Like it just was something beyond what I expected. Um, it was so humbling, so heartwarming. I'm still in contact and have done. Some fundraisers and whatnot, try to support them as much as I can, and eventually the goal is uh, to buy some land and build them their own house so that they can actually, they're just renting, and landlord keeps jacking up their rent, and it just yeah. becomes unreasonable, so that's that's one of the plans, is to be able to do that for them. Nice. Yeah. So, you love Kelowna, I obviously. Do. Um, for a lot of the same reasons you love Golden because yeah. it's so scenic and beautiful. Yeah. Tell us some of your favorite spots, outdoor oh. spots. 
Well, I live in Glenmore, so right. we do a lot of hiking just kind of up Wilden area. Mm-hmm. We found some really great trails. Um, I mean, I've been hiking up there for almost five years now, and we'll still find new trails, which is really exciting. So love that. Um, I love Knox is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like I've done that a few times this week. It's just it's easy. It's safe. Like I can go on my own. Like not have to worry about being in the back, you know, country and wildlife or anything. And it's easy for you. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, it's, yeah. it's challenging. I was doing it uh, <laughs> once a week or nice. twice a week for a while, and it, it did. You know, the first time it I was like, heart, "Holy heart crap!" Rate up. Right? But, but once you, yeah, if you do it on a regular basis, yeah. it's not hard. Yeah, it's not a super tough hike. Yeah, that's awesome. And you're into jujitsu. Yeah. As well. How long have you been doing that? Uh, well, I trained really hard for a year, mm-hmm. and then started business. And of course, you know, different things take priorities. So, just kind of starting to get back into training regularly again. Nice. And yeah, such a great sport. I grew up playing sports, but jujitsu is just far beyond anything I've done. It's so amazing. It's so challenging in ways that like you can't even explain unless you do it. Right. And it's uh it's addicting. Really? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, I think um I always tell people if you've got an addictive personality, find something that's healthy. That's yeah, <laughs> right? true. to be addicted to. So yeah. um Tell me a little bit about jujitsu. I know, uh, I think I know the philosophy. Well, you'll have is, to come to a class. <laughs> okay, I will come to. Do you teach or no? No. no. So, you tell me where you go, and I'll show yeah. up. But um, I think the basic philosophy is you're going to use your opponent's energy to your benefit, redirect your opponent's energy. So uh, instead of like just strictly overpowering your opponent, you're going to ascertain. The energy of your opponent and redirect it is that basically yeah so it's it's not a striking sport so it's grappling so you start with somewhat like of a judo in a sense you can you start standing in a competition um you can do throws but really the majority of it is on the ground so there's no kicking or punching right. um it's like joint manipulations and chokes which most people are like what that's awful but <laughs> it's you you tap out or you know if you don't if your ego gets in the way then you're asleep basically right um but it's you want to conserve energy you're totally right because there's a lot of like you're holding their gi or there's no gi i do What's gi though gi? Uh, like a karate, um, like the heavy material, the big jacket, um, oh. the belt, and your full get-up. So you've got your pants, your gi. Usually you wear a rash guard because you don't want some, like, sweaty person with their chest hair <laughs> right up to your face. and It's not pretty for anyone. And, uh, and then you have your belt. So you use all of those things for grips to move people. Um, and your, your goal, it is timed, um, so there's points for different things. You sweep somebody, which means you gain a better position, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, you want to tap somebody out. So either, you know, something like an arm lock where it's joint manipulation or a choke of some sort. Right. So. <laughs> Very cool. Do, do you have a, a colored belt? or? Yeah, what? so it starts with white, blue, purple, brown, black. Mm-hmm. And I'm at my blue right now. Okay. Yeah. And do you, any plans to get your black belt? Oh, my. It'd be incredible. It'd be years and years and years down the road. Yeah. I'd need Takes to get back time. to training like I was the first year, and it would be attainable. 
right? <laughs> yeah. So, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Um, cotton candy. Cotton candy, really? I think it would be cotton candy or some sort of a cheesecake. Cotton candy is like my nostalgic one. Like that takes me back to being a kid. Yeah. But then like a, a cherry cheesecake or blueberry cheesecake is mm, nice. A, Close contender. Have you ever tried Rocky Road? Yeah. It's uh, it's pretty hard to find. A I good one is it. hard to find. Yeah. I know some of the ice cream shops downtown have it, but try to find it at the grocery store, I can't. Yeah. No. Have you, so total shout out to Parlor Ice Cream. Okay. Have you been Where there? Where is that? No, I haven't. It's no, basically right below Earl's. And it is oh, the. Oh, okay. I think they switch names. Best ice cream. Is it, uh, has it been there for a while? So I know there's Mulix and then Yeah, so the it's around the corner. The okay. corner. So basically right across from the dolphins. Yes, or the sales. Or the sales, sorry. Yeah. The sales, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I have been there. That's amazing. All local ingredients, and they use, like, nuts from Gladly Nut Farm and liquors from Okanagan Spirits, and it's all made in-house. I could eat there daily if it wasn't... Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Something that would be bad for my health. <laughs> right. Well, everything in moderation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So tell us why it is important for someone who is self-employed or kind of semi-self-employed like us realtors. We work for a big company. Yeah. But, um, you know, we're kind of on our own. It's all commission-based. Yeah. Only a small handful of people in this company get a salary. Yeah. Most of us vast majority of us are commission-based. Yeah. So why is it important to have supplemental insurance? Most people, especially younger people, I think, believe that the government covers everything. Yeah. There is some government plans. Mm -hmm. Um, Just in my experience is finding... The key word I, I kind of use is having a usable disability policy. Because mm-hmm. as, as in any insurance, you want to make sure that when you need it, mm-hmm. you're actually going to get paid. Because there's we've all probably had stories of some insurance or another that uh, people call it the loopholes. So it feels like you're jumping through all these hoops mm-hmm. to actually get your payout. And being self-employed entrepreneurs, um, they are the hardest working people out there. They're invested in themselves, their business, they rely on themselves. So, you know, until somebody gets to the point where maybe they've got a big residual income or maybe they grow a team and they don't necessarily actually have to show up to work (laughs) to get that paycheck, most people are in the grind. So if something happens to you, you get sick or injured, that there's no company, there's no, you know, anything that's just going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, we've, we're going to make sure your mortgage is paid or your rent and your car payment and your cell phone and your groceries and your kids' sports. And, I mean, the list is huge. So yeah, yeah. having a supplemental um, policy goes with you. It's yours. It's not attached to any job or anything. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the benefits. Yeah. And just being properly protected, being prepared, um, it's kind of just part of being responsible in a sense and just you know you never know what's going to happen and often you know the cliche thing it's better to have it not need it than need it and not have it exactly and i could sit here and tell you stories for hours of both of those so yeah it's so true we don't like to think if we're healthy we don't like to think about getting sick or getting old or any of those things yeah 
But uh, you, what you say is so true, and it's also true what you said about you know how hard we work. Yeah. Um, someone said to me, I think it was my dad, and he said, you know, being in business for yourself is great because you get to decide which 18 hours a day you're going to work. <laughs> it's so true. All right, so. It's so true. So how do people get in touch with you if they want to find out about your products? Yeah, um, text, email, or we have a really great website um, that we've been building, uh, sterlingbenefits.ca. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, and just often coffee. Love having coffees and great. just kind of educating people, getting to know them as well because... It's a very needs-based um, job that I do. It's, yeah. Um, now, you don't drink coffee, but you love well, coffee shops. Yeah, coffee shops. You'll have yes. uh, tea. Most people drink coffee, but right. I'll have a tea. <laughs> right. Good yeah. stuff. Okay. And uh, who would you like to nominate to come on the show in the future? Oh, how many names can I give? <laughs> um, you can give as many as you want, but we'll probably pick two or three Great. max. So. Um, I'm going to say one of my good friends, Lindsay Cousy. Okay. She is. Um, how, do, how do you spell? L I N D S A Y. Kuzi, K U S Y. Okay. What does Lindsay do? She has an amazing day spa. She pampers um, women especially. But what's, she, the name, what's the name of the spa? Diva Den Day Spa. Diva Den. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I'll edit most of this, but the reason yeah. is because Kara will track her down. Yeah, and just like she's fabulous. So. Okay. Um, and right. I would have nominated Heather McCall, but you just did her, right? Because she's one of my favorites. Um, oh my. One is fine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And if you think it was someone else, sure. you can text me. Well, she's great. fabulous. She's a new. She's been in business for a long time, um, but she's started up. Her business in Kelowna uh, recently within the within the year so beautiful yeah great yeah. well Danielle thank you so much for your time thank you um, love to have you on the show again in the future Thanks. and uh, love to have a coffee slash tea with you yes, sometime and talk great. about some of your stuff because I need it yeah so <laughs> thanks again yeah thank you very much appreciate it